families and our children are bombarded with daily, and many times not even having an understanding and a knowledge of what it is that we are dealing with. And that is a dangerous situation. We are in a world that is increasingly becoming beset with mental aberrations, uh, all the various names they call the things that beset children, that beset adults, the terrible depressions, the, oh, what, what do they call them, mental disorders, I guess they call them. And we see this increasing around us daily. Fifty years ago, you did not hear of these childhood mental disorders, except perhaps on a very rare occasion. Uh, Alzheimer's hardly existed, and it's not just mislabeling, but there have been demon problems or evil spirit problems since Adam and Eve were first created, and Satan took advantage of them immediately. Some people think it took years. I doubt it. Probably the first Sunday after the first Sabbath, I think Herbert Armstrong was probably correct. Satan does not mince words or waste time in trying to affect people in a wrong way. So, the better we understand what we are facing and dealing with, the better prepared we are to deal with it. And right now we are faced with something that is beyond our normal day-to-day experience in terms of the uh, difficulty and the depth of the problem, but it's something that every one of us deals with on some level every day in this world. We need to be cognizant of it. We need to know what to do and how to go about it. We just heard in the sermonette that we should turn to God with our whole heart. And I have been preaching that from Jeremiah 29 and other places for well over 15 years now in a very uh, direct way. I think sometimes we might become a little dull of hearing and we don't recognize the separation we need to make from this world. We came here, we felt a separation needed to be made, we hoped that God would fulfill some of these prophecies that we've read about very quickly, but that has not been the case. It has taken longer than we might have anticipated. And in that case, it is so easy to begin to relax, to not really overcome the things that we need to overcome and to allow much of what is going on in this world to still affect us. Now, if you go through the Bible carefully, you will find that in any case, and in fact in every case, before God used people for any work that had to do with Him, He tried and tested them greatly. And the bigger the responsibility that God was going to confer upon them or the job they had to do, the more He tried and tested them. The more He put them through. Sometimes in terms of great lengths of time, 40 years with Moses and so on. Sometimes in the intensity of it, like torture and martyrdom. 
and various things of that nature. But God has seen the works of Satan, and he has seen the performance of mankind on this earth. And before he will allow any of us to be an example to the rest of the world for him, especially here in this critical end time, we must be tried, we must be tested, we must be refined and purified, we must change some things. That's the way it is. It's the way it always has been. Because any human being, of, in, and by himself, is by no means worthy of representing God. We just aren't. Therefore, we need to have an infusion of His Spirit, uh, a careful understanding of His ways, and not only hearers, but also then doers. Because unless we do it, it means nothing. Proverbs 14.12, many of you have committed to memory, along with 16.25, which says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. We have a world around us, a culture around us, that does a lot of things, and I don't want to go into a lot of that today, But they have a way of doing things. They have a way of their culture, whether it's the Chinese or the American or the German culture or whatever it might be. And they have produced a culture that to them seems good, logical, right, that seems normal, that seems okay, that is to them entertaining, uh, good for their families or whatever. It's what they have developed. And it seems right. Now what God is telling us is here is that human logic, human thinking, is beset with a problem, and that is that things that might seem right to our five senses, that might seem like something we should do or want to do or be a part of, can seem so right... And yet, in the final end, when it's all finished, it brings misery, destruction, suffering, heartache, and problems. That's just the way it is. But it seems so right. Now, let me give you an example of the Pharisees. Christ called them liars, and that they worshipped, they knew not what, They worship their father, the devil. Now, if you had asked any Pharisee on the street if he worshipped the devil, he would have laughed in your face. He would have said, that is the craziest thing I ever heard in my life. I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The true God of creation, he would have said. That's what he believed. And yet Christ called them snakes, serpents, whitened sepulchers full of dead men's bones, and that they actually worshipped the devil. Now when Christ was tempted of the devil after 40 days of fasting, 
He answered correctly with Scripture, but he had been tempted with Scripture that had been slightly twisted. Just slightly twisted. Not much. A little. Everything that Satan actually said to Christ was true. Are you not the Son of God? And so on. Well, yes. But it doesn't take much twisting to make something wrong. To make it off. Just a little bit so that it's not right. And then Satan, or Christ told him, man must live by every word of God. And that they who hear and don't do, then are not justified. So we can think we worship God, and yet Acts 5.29, I think it is, says, His servant you are to whom you obey. So if you do the things that Satan would have you do on this earth while you walk it, you're his servant. And Christ even says you can say you worship God, but if you don't do the things that he says, your actual God is Satan the devil. Now that's why all the religions of this world are satanic and people do not even realize that they are learning the doctrines of demons. And we are in danger as well. Marla just pointed out a, a verse to me right before I walked over here. She didn't have any idea what I was speaking about, but I thought I would include it here. Proverbs 12, verse 1. I think better rendered probably in the New King James than the New King James. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. And as the King, King, New King James puts the rest of that, uh, he who hates instruction is stupid. I think that puts it out there where we can grasp it real well. I want today not to blame us for the problem that we're facing in our community with an individual at the moment. I want us to be instructed by God's Word so that we might more cogently, wisely understand what we need to do and how we need to be. So, if we don't listen to the things that God says in His Word, we're stupid. We need to open our ears, open our minds. We need to understand. Now, I, somebody has asked me on more than one occasion, what are we to learn from this? And yes, we're to learn to love each other. We're to learn to pull together as a community to help anyone who has need. That's a very deep and important thing. 1 Corinthians 13, the love of God has to transcend everything else. But on another way of looking at it, I think we have been given a challenge that is beyond our normal experience in this world to help wake us up to the fact that we do not yet seek God with our whole heart and we still give in way too much to the satanic culture around us and to our own baser desires, 
into our own human way of thinking. Until you are faced with something you cannot handle, that is beyond you, you are not challenged to turn to God in such a way as to come to be able to handle that. If it's stealing a pack of gum, you can read the scripture and understand I should not do that, and maybe you can overcome it. But when you're dealing with evil spirits, you have no control. You have no way of taking charge of the situation because they are stronger than you. They are smarter than you. They are far more twisted than you. And you are facing something that you do not normally deal with. Now, I would like for this property that I think God gave us to have a wall of fire about it, not only from physical enemies that may come in the future, but a wall, a spiritual wall, that Satan cannot penetrate. We do not have either of those as yet. And this place needs to become that. Therefore, we have work to do, and we need to have understanding of what to do and how to go about it. So this isn't correction in that sense. I want us to understand better what we're dealing with so that we can do what we need to do. Now, the first thing you need to do is pray and fast. When there is something that is beyond your normal control, or I'll overcome that someday because, you know, you're used to your sin or your problem or your way of thinking, and you figure you can handle that given time and enough whatever it takes to overcome it. But we need to grasp what it is we're dealing with. And not only one individual, perhaps, but what we deal with on a daily basis that we don't even understand or know about for the most part. Let's see some scriptures then. I'll go to Galatians 4. I want to go quickly through quite a few and not get too bogged down, but a certain amount of explanation is needed. Chapter uh, 4, verse 1, I think I wrote it down backwards. I don't, let's see, am I looking at this right? I, I guess I wrote it down wrong. Um, I'll quote it to you anyway. The, the thought is that we need to be delivered from this present evil world. One four. One four? Okay. That's what I wrote down. I was looking at it backwards. Oh, it's talking about Christ here, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. 
So God is very concerned about this world that we live in. And if anything, it has gotten even worse since Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians. Because mankind now openly, in many cases, worships Satan. He is the God of this present evil world. Revelation 12.9. I'm not going to turn, you know that one. It says, Satan deceives the whole world. So the whole world is under the deception of Satan. And that includes Catholics, Protestants, and those who do not understand and follow this book. And none of those religions follow this book. They have a few verses they like to quote, and most of those are twisted and not even truly understood. But they do not by any means live by every word of God. They don't even read every word of God. They may have 25, 50, 100, 200 verses if they're a real religious type church that they might quote from. That's about it. I haven't counted them, but there aren't very many. You go to one of these born-againers, and they've got about five. About all the scripture they know. Maybe a little more. First Corinthians 7, verse 31. Uh, verse 30, And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. He's talking about time being short here. And we're supposed to be living as if everyday life as we have known it, did not exist in quite the same way. They were entering a period, when Paul wrote this, of great persecution, of martyrdom. They thought the end of the age was upon them. Christ would be returning soon. And they were allowed to labor under that, that they might grow. But now we have advanced to the point that what he wrote is far more true than it was then. We now are in the end of the age, and Christ's return is imminent within a very few short years. And Satan knows he has but a short time, and he is desperate to destroy all of mankind before Christ returns. That is his plan, is to destroy all of mankind. He has those in this world who, who he has, whom he has influenced, who have the same attitude. They want at least 90% of the world destroyed. And those are people who are in charge of the money and the politics of this world. There are people high in the government of the United States who are outright Satan worshipers. Admittedly so in private, and they are, have no compunctions about it. I have seen presidents of the United States and their wives give the sign of Satan worship. I saw one wife of a president recently do it right on the front page of a news of a, ma a magazine across her heart. I'm not going to name names here. It serves no purpose. 
But senators, presidents, are of the occult and worshiping the devil openly. Or, well, maybe privately, not openly to the public. But they give the signs of it for each other to see. Now, if they try to tell you that's Texas Longhorns, forget it. It might be in some parts of Texas. But these people aren't all from Texas. And it is a satanic occult sign. As is the cross. Going on down here, it says in verse 31, Live as if things were not normal, is what he's saying. And things are getting where they are not normal, okay? And they've gotten where they're not too normal right here on this property. And they that use this world, not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passes away. The way of life, And this nation, the United States, is going to pass away. It is ungodly. In virtually every way, it is ungodly. A true knowledge of the true God is unknown in this country except by a very few called out ones (coughs) to whom God has revealed the truth. The rest worship, they know not what. And it's not their fault in that sense. They have been deceived. Satan deceives the whole world. And they therefore get opportunity, having been deceived and not knowing, to come up in the great white throne judgment, or if perchance they live on into the millennium, they will learn the truth. So God is not going to judge them based on what they understand and are doing today. But us, He is, because we do understand the truth. But understand, please, deeply within your mind, and if you're not ready to listen to instruction, you're stupid. Okay, I'm reading God's Word to us. The culture, the fashion, the ways of this world... And you can name anything they do is going to pass away. It is ungodly. Do you want to be involved in anything that is ungodly? That's why he tells us not to fellowship with the world, not to be friends with the world, not to make friends in the world. Our fellowship is with God, the Father, and Christ, and each other. That doesn't mean we can't do business. It doesn't mean we can't be friendly with people. But our fellowship is not to be with them. Now, I know some people resist that. But that's what the Scripture actually says. Is that part of the Word of God you want to throw out? We don't like it because a minister we know of threw out part of Luke or decided that he didn't like this chapter in Numbers or whatever about Passover. But what parts do we ourselves sometimes drop to the ground or let fall and not do? I'm telling you, we are Satan-influenced. Every one of us, every day. 
He is the prince of the power of the air. He can broadcast through the airwaves, just like radio or television can be broadcast over the air. Herbert Armstrong talked about this for years. And human beings are suckers for Satan's way. Because the natural human mind is enmity to God, is against God, and it's against God's ways, and it's for self and the pleasing of the five senses. In whatever way they can be pleased. That's what human beings are about. So Satan takes advantage of our senses, or sensuousness, Having the five senses is not wrong. It's not wrong to taste or feel or hear or see. It's not wrong to have five senses. It's how they are used that becomes wrong, and Satan is quite willing to lead us to use them in wrong ways that lead to misery, depression, frustration, and death, even though it seemed like a good thing at the time to a human being. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. But if our gospel be hid, verse 3, it is hid to them that are being lost. The true gospel of Christ. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest they see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. Though Satan is the God of this world, Christ was absolutely right when he told the Pharisees, you worship the devil. Because even though they had the scriptures, they did not follow them. And they misused them, abused them, and followed the ways of Satan. Is this a, something, a new concept to us? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. If we walk like Satan, we think like Satan, we act like Satan, then we're followers of Satan and we are the servant of him whom we obey. It's that simple. The Pharisees walked and quacked like Satan. They lied, they stole, they cheated, they bragged, they were full of pride, vanity, and ego, and on and on. And they were selfish to the core. So is Satan. So is our society around us. Self-gratification and instant gratification. Ephesians 2, verse 2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Just the life that you were living in America. The course of this world. You weren't Satan worshippers per se out in the world, were you? You were Baptists and Methodists and Catholics and whatever you happened to be. But you had little thought of Satan. 
the course of this world, just the normal way that human beings are, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. When we disobey God, then the spirit of disobedience, that is the spirit of Satan, is working within us. And this affects everybody on earth every day. Now, somebody gets heavily Satan-influenced, so it's obvious to somebody that person's wacko, they're acting like the devil, or that's, you know, if it's that obvious, anybody can see it. But we are influenced by the prince of the power of the air daily. John 16. Verse 11, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Another reference to Satan being the prince, the ruler of this world. He's the one that sets the policies. He's the one that directs governments. The U.S. government was set up in Washington, D.C. on satanic principles. The men who established this country and set up its first government weren't as righteous as we think they were. Washington, D.C. and its design and layout and buildings are designed from the occult. People who claimed to be righteous Christians set up an occult system in America. The few who understood God's truth when the first people came to stay, the pilgrims, a few of them understood the truth. They kept the Sabbath. They didn't keep Christmas and Easter. And that soon disappeared. There were a few. And they got outshouted. And by the time this government was established... It was satanic by nature. Chapter 12, verse 31 of John. Now is the judgment of this world. When God decides to judge this world, now shall the prince of this world be cast out. When Christ was tempted of Satan after that 40-day fast, he defeated him. And took, uh, he became the president-elect, if you will, the king-elect, the prince-elect, to come and rule the world. But he has not yet come to do that. So Satan is in a lame-duck situation. He has been ousted. He has not yet been removed. As a president, you'd say voted out of office, but has not yet been inaugurated. With Saul, he was affected by Satan, and David playing righteous music helped get him in a better mood. But David was anointed king before Saul was removed, and David had to live in or with and around Saul for a long time and put up with a lot before it was time for him to take the kingship at Saul's death. So Satan is lame duck now. And he knows he has but a short time until Christ is coming to rule the world. And we'll see 
very shortly what he does with that. Second uh, Corinthians 2. I want to get a little more specific about some things here without getting into it too much, but we do need to understand, brethren. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now, Paul understood the way Satan works. He understood that Satan has a great advantage of, over us. A, we have a nature that is not godly by nature. And B, he has great power to influence through the airwaves even. And we need to be aware of his devices. Now, what does that word mean? In the Greek, it's number 2803, which means a contrivance. He contrives various ways. He invents, then, various ways to influence us, to get us to think more the way he thinks, to get us to react more to the works of the flesh rather than the fruit of the Spirit. So, he is constantly contriving ways to lead us away from God and toward His way of thinking. King, the King James translates this word uh, various ways. One is a cunning work. He's sly. He's cunning. He knows us. He knows our human nature. And He knows how to push our buttons is what this is saying. He knows each and every human being, and he realizes and sees by the things we do and some of the things we think, and he can read thoughts. So he knows just where to push. So what Paul is saying here is he is designing and finding ways to pull you away from God. It means a curious work. Demons try to get your curiosity. Satan works in such a way that he will do things and make various forms of entertainment in a way that gets your curiosity up about aliens, about wizards that peep and mutter, he knows how to do it and make it look like something that's okay. But he's behind it. And it will ultimately pull you away. Second, in that light, before I continue this, let's pick up this thought in 2 Corinthians again, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 14. He's talking about men here who are preaching false things in verse 13. Deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, appearing to be ministers of God, and yet teaching wrong doctrine. And don't marvel. He said, this shouldn't be a marvel to you. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan, evil as he is, 
others can sometimes appear to be an angel of light, just like he is from God. Now, that's the way Satan tried to appear to Satan after the temptation. He quoted Scripture to him, tried to get him to convince him that to go this way, the way of vanity, of ego, of selfishness. And Christ said, no, don't go there. So some of the things that Satan contrives, some of the curious things that he creates, are done so that they appear harmless and good, and maybe even helpful. Okay? He's not stupid. He can make things look good to us that are evil to the core, and us not even know it. Now, that's scary. Going on a little bit here. King James translates that Greek word for devices as imagination. In some places. The imagination of the human mind can be tweaked and twisted and manipulated so that we can be fascinated by or take fantasies in things that are ungodly. Now, what do you think are some of the easiest tools for Satan to use <coughs> to do these things? He's the prince of the power of the air. He has control of the airwaves. One of the simplest and easiest tools he has is audio and video. Radios and televisions and electronic games that are able to display and make noises that are ungodly that appear to be okay and good entertainment to our culture. And it has become the fashion of this world. And it is so easy to be taken in by that. Let's do not an exhaustive, but a very remedial study of the history of our culture going back 50, 60 years pretty easily. Some of you are old enough to remember Superman, Batman, Spider-Man. Seemingly innocuous, imparting to these figures of fantasy the ability to fly, the ability to leap tall buildings and go through buildings, and so on and so forth. And they seem like good entertainment to our children, did they not? To me as a child. Were they more sinister than that in reality? Were they talking about these spirits who appear good as benefactors to mankind, as helps to people like Superman, and yet they're able to do things far beyond what human beings are capable of? Now, you wouldn't have called them angels of God, would you? 
No. Where did they come from? The fantasies and the imaginations of men influenced by Satan the devil and his demons. And it slowly got worse, or fairly quickly actually, and progressed, or devolved, if you will, to the point now we have some pretty wild characters that are on the screens of American devices, whatever they might be. I mean, even 30, when did that Rosemary's Baby come out? And some of those things, sheer demonism, I don't remember. But then E.T., oh, he was such a cutie. Some of you remember E.T., I never saw it, never will see it. He was so cuddly, but he was supposed to have been from outer space. It's alien, it's satanic stuff. Appearing as sweet and cuddly so that our children would like it. It's a likable figure. Satan likes to appear likable sometimes. But it was ungodly and didn't do the things of God. Star Wars came out. A lot of people were sucked in by it. Some of the ministers of the Church of God were recommending people to go to Star Wars. Don't you remember some of those weird characters they produced? They didn't look like God. God is shaped like man. Weird, strange, gargoyles and shapes, wizards that peep and mutter. Something in between. Not God, not man, aliens. What is all this alien stuff? that we're being bombarded with now, even more so. It's demonism. It's Satanism. It's preparing mankind for Satan to set up a world-ruling government invaded by demons. Not half humans, as some on talk radio will tell you, because that doesn't happen and the Scripture says so. It's just plain demonism. And they stir the curiosity of people who want to hear more about it. Curious, it says. Raise your curiosity. And Satan is leading people away. Isaiah 8, verse 19. I could go to several scriptures on this. I won't for sake of time. This one's good. Verse 18. Behold, I and the children whom the Eternal has given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Eternal of hosts which dwells in Mount Zion. Now that's almost a direct quote from a verse in Zechariah 3. Signs and wonders. Some of the men in the end time work will become that. So the context here is of an end time prophecy and God doing true signs and wonders through people who have turned to him with their whole hearts and who obey him. And right after that, 
It says, And when they shall say to you, Seek to them that have familiar spirits, the occult, to wizards that peep and mutter, should not a people seek to their God for the, for the living to the dead? And when people have heavy demon influence, they speak gibberish. Sometimes they peep and mutter and say unintelligible things. And sometimes it's just off-the-wall random garbage. Bits and pieces of this and that. And some who seem sane are occult and Satan worshippers outright. One of our recent president's wife went to seances. That was in the news 20 years ago or so, 30, whatever it's been. The government is full of it. Our present rulership is the same. Followed by Star Wars, we had Harry Potter. The gal that wrote that admits she's an outright occultist. She's a Satan worshiper. Through Harry Potter, she is promoting Satanism to all the youth of the world. And yet some of you have allowed your children to read Harry Potter. You don't know what you're dealing with if you do that. It is outright Satanism. They have now, I guess, what they call the Twilight series. That's demonic. Satanism. It has to do, I guess, with uh, vampires and all kinds of satanic uh, manifestations. And it's looked upon in our culture, in our society, as normal, just good, clean, fun. It's not real, it's just fantasy. Yeah, it is. Fantasies of the devil. What did we read in the Greek? Don't be ignorant of Satan's devices, his contrivances, his imaginations, his ways of getting to you in this world. Many of the people in Hollywood are Satan worshipers, either outrightly or by their works and ways of life. Much of the music that is produced, if you can call it that, is from a drug culture. People on drugs writing music that our kids listen to. Music started out in America fairly simple. Playing guitars and banjos and singing uh, family music. Went to big band, which still was full of rhythm and decent words, love stories, if you will. Wasn't perfect, but it wasn't as satanic as what has since come. Rock and roll started, and it seemed fairly innocent to some. Parents were upset. Children loved it, including me. But it was beginning to form a culture that worked on the senses of those who participated and caused them to think things and have reactions that are ungodly, okay? And rock and roll was fairly mild compared to what came later. 
But even Elvis Presley, once he got on drugs, his music began to sound like some of the modern stuff. Weird. Wild. John Denver the same. His music turned from pleasant, melodic stuff to weirdness. And John Lennon and some of those people were outright Satan worshippers. Now, when the human mind is not in control of itself, it opens up for Satan to influence it more. And the LSDs and the drugs of the 60s began a slide downhill in culture and music and morals and in everything else. So Satan has been working this thing and getting worse and worse. You can go from Superman to Harry Potter, satanic, outright influence. You go from fairly mild music down to the stuff today where it's saying very demeaning and nasty things about women, about sex, about men, about your mother, about whatever. Gay. It's full of trash. It is utterly ungodly and satanic. That should not be on this property. Why do I hear it on the basketball court and in the weight room? Why do I hear it through a car window? It's hard to get the children not to listen to it when some of the adults listen to it. I'm not jumping on anybody. I'm trying to instruct us to realize what it is that we're imbibing of when we listen to and watch this stuff. It is evil to the core. I know you have trouble with that. So did the Pharisees when Christ told them exactly what it was that they were doing. These things that the world puts out are after the fashion of the world. You didn't hear of all these mental disorders years ago. Now they're everywhere. Everybody's on something for depression, something for ADD and ADHD and DDT and whatever else they got. These aberrations are coming because of the garbage in our diets and because of the garbage going into the mines. That's where they're coming from. There was an article on Google News just the other day. It says sugar needs to be con- you treated as a controlled substance. It's not just church stuff. Even the world out there realizes sugar is causing a lot of these mental disorders. White flour, white sugar, and especially the zero-calorie uh, artificial sweeteners. They're just chemical poisons Completely. Sugar is a toxic poison. But these others are far worse. And they are at the root and cause of a lot of the mental disorders that are coming. And so is the music. So is the TV. So is the radio. Are we going to relax and let Satan take us over? Are we going down with the world, brethren? I preached about it. I preached about it. 
Now we have one who is very actively influenced. And it is not a pretty picture. And the rest of us are headed there if we don't wake up. That's why we're fasting. That's why we're praying. Is that we might learn to deal with a world that is ruled by the prince of the power of the air and the god of this present evil world whose culture and fashion is going to be destroyed. Now, if God hates something so bad that He is going to destroy it and bind the ones who created it, why would we want to be involved in it at all? Why would we hide from the truth and the reality of the fantasies that are put before us and our children? Don't we want to save them from what's coming? Yes, we do, with all our heart. But are we willing to do what's necessary to cause that? Everybody wants good kids. They just don't want to go through the patience and discipline and difficulties it is to get them there. That's the hard part. I don't like to go through the difficulty of standing here and talking about these things. It isn't pleasant. But I am here to cry aloud and to instruct you and let you know where these things are leading. I've always loved music, personally. I like a wide variety of different music. Always have. But you know, other than the hymns, I've gotten to the place where I hardly ever listen to music anymore. You say, well, there are some pretty good songs coming out. Well, there are a few pretty good songs coming out. But the garbage you've got to listen to to get to the good one is pretty bad because it's about adultery. Even country music, you know, the music of the people... It's full of adultery and lying and drunkenness and on and on and on it goes. The ways of the world. There's an occasional pretty nice song. All right. Buy the album, get the one good song, toss the rest out if you can find one. We have got to come out of this world. We have got to quit being influenced by Satan the devil who has formed and created this culture that is around us. Now, why would God come and protect you and me here if we're just like they are out there? What purpose would He have in that? Kill them all. That's what He was about to do with that with Noah. That's what He was going to do with Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham says, well, what if there be 50, you know, started on down? Well, if you can find that many, go for it. Couldn't find them. Don't even look back. Turned into a pillar of salt. You know the story. We're facing that again today. America and the world is Sodom and Gomorrah. It's Babylon. It's Egypt. It's everything and every type that the Bible has used to describe a satanic world. 
Now, would one of you like to go down there and take care of this problem this afternoon? Would you like to solve it? Scare you to death to have to deal with it, wouldn't it? It's just worse than the rest of us, that's all. It's just worse. I'm called upon to do something about it. That weighs very, very heavily on me. And I need your prayers and your support and your faith. Because it is not easy. It never has been. I had to start dealing with demon-possessed people very early in my life. And throughout the years in the ministry, in the early years, I had to deal with people who had demon influence and were demon-possessed. I was called upon to cast demons out. And God gave me the power and the ability, in some cases, to do it. In other cases, we walked away. There is a scripture I may get to that says this kind come out only by fasting and prayer. He gave the disciples power over evil spirits and they could cast them out. But in that particular case, I think it was Mark 5, they couldn't do it. And he told them they didn't have enough faith for one thing. But he did add this kind come out, out except by fasting and prayer. Some of them are more difficult to deal with than others. They have different personalities. They can be sarcastic, they can be mean, they can be violent, they can be happy. They can appear as angels of light. We had that change in this case, where it went from morose and crying and weeping, which it changes from moment to moment in a second, to happy for about three days. Just happy as you can be. Couldn't help but laugh at some of the things that were said. Happy as she could be. That was not healing. That was not improvement. It wasn't like the individual had been before. It was too happy. Satan can appear in many, many ways. And he can make people think they're happy. While he leads them away from God and into destruction. So some of the things that you think would make you happy, some of the things that sound like they'd be fun to you, if they're illegal according to this book, sooner or later, the happiness will turn to misery and frustration and desperation and unhappiness. That's the way it works. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. You cannot trust yourself. You cannot trust your desires. You cannot trust your feelings. You can only trust God's Word. You can trust God's Word. It will tell you the truth every time. That this is approved, this is not approved. This is approved under these conditions, this is not approved any time. It spells it out for you in black and white. How much time do we, as a people, spend searching 
in this book as opposed to the amount of time we spend listening to music and watching videos and computers and playing games and mindless Facebook games. How many hours do we spend compared to how much time we spend with God? Now, is there a bit of a thermometer on whether we've turned to God with our whole heart or not? Your time is your life. Where does your time go? Screens? Electronics? Entertainment? Where does it go? Is it in this book? How many times do you walk out of here with your Bible under your arm in your satchel or your purse or your briefcase and it never sees the light of the day till you bring it out the next Sabbath? How many hours do you watch TV and listen to music of the world? Computers just as bad or worse. We used to be obsessed with TV. Now we're obsessed with smartphones and computers and computer-like devices. And it burns our time and our energy. And it's all from the imaginations and the contrivances and the devices of Satan the devil who designed those things to pull us away from God. How many hours a week does your TV stay on? And you know, it doesn't have to be something that is wrong. You can be watching a history channel or a cooking channel or a whatever it might be that isn't wrong per se, but how much time does it burn that could be better used for other purposes? I don't have anything to do, so I guess I'll just do this. Well, here's plenty to do right here. How many of us know this book inside and out? How many of us know it upside down and front, front to back? I don't. That we begin to comprehend a little bit about what God wants us to do. He wants God Himself to be the center of our lives. Not an afterthought. Not a two hours on Sabbath. Not in a little prayer here and there. He wants our lives centered on Him. Satan is selfish to the core. And that is one of the buttons we have that he can push so easily. Me, myself, and I. What I want to do, what feels good to me, what I think might please me, in my mind or my body or wherever else. That's what Satan plays on. Video games that are about kill, 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 kill with strange looking creatures that are killing each other and munching on each other. Your kids shouldn't be doing that. It is contrived of the devil to influence them to be hateful and nasty and mean and selfish and kill and destroy. God is not the author of confusion, 
or of death and destruction. He is the author of life and light and good and love and kindness and joy. Those are the fruits of God's Spirit. But that's not what is being put out there for you and me. First Thessalonians 5, 5. Let's see how to fight this. First Thessalonians 5. I'm in Timothy. That won't work. Verse 4, But brethren, you are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. It's not supposed to slip up on us. But you, brethren, uh, you are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. They're the walking sleepwalkers, you might say. In spiritual understanding, the people of this world are walking in the dark. They're walking asleep. He says, we're not like that. We're not asleep. Don't sleep as the others do. But let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, (coughs) putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. That's the way we're to address ourselves each day. Not face the world with some kind of raucous music, but face the day with the breastplate of faith and the love and the hope that we need for salvation. We need to have time with God before we go about our routines. Evening, morning, and night, as David and Daniel put it. The day begins in the evening. The reason for that is that we have time after work that we can devote to meditation, to prayer, to thinking, to study, to family, and good family interaction, not just five, six people sitting looking at a television inanely and individually, because that's what TV is, is individual, even though you might feel close to the one you're sitting by. You're not interacting. You're reacting to something else. And family time is not TV time. Don't kid yourself. Romans 13, verse 12 here. I don't have time to spend with all this the way I would like, but notice verse 11 of 13. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, spiritual sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. We are to wear armor, and that is the light of God. The Spirit of God should come from us.
Let's see, I want to cut down through some of this. There are many cases, and I don't have time to go through them today. I wrote many of them down, where Christ cast demons out, and He healed the people who were involved. And if you go through and read some of those, you'll see that they preyed on children, they preyed on adults, the one child threw itself in the fire all the time. Insane, we would say. And they have all kinds of words for mental disorders in our society today. Schizophrenia, bipolar, whatever. And some of those things may be derangements that were caused by aspartame or by sugar or by uh, wrong thinking patterns or whatever might be the exact source of the problem that began in the mind, Satan is able, when a mind is not in control and is weak for whatever reason, to begin to take advantage of that and to influence it more and more and sometimes to take over and possess it. So when you have multiple personalities in an individual, that's just multiple demons. Remember the one case where it said, we're legion. There's a whole legion of us here, not just one but many. Different personalities, different powers, different ranks. So it's not just a matter of casting the demon out, because if it comes back and finds the house swept and empty, the one scripture says, it'll bring seven others worse than itself. So it's not a matter just of casting it out, because it can come back. If that mind is not healed and is not doing what it ought to be doing. So, in some cases, it requires healing as well. Now, we need to get as far from Satan's influence as we possibly can, brethren. Let's go to James 4. Oh, verse 7 is where I was. He's talking about us warring and fighting among ourselves here. This is talking to church members. Uh, all the things that we do that are not godly. He says down there in verse, the end of verse 4, Therefore, he who will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. <coughs> if we are friendly to and partake of the things of this world, we become the enemy of God because Satan has created this society. He has created this culture. He has created all the entertainment, essentially, that is around us. He has caused people to go into drunkenness and into drugs. And on heavy influence of drugs and sometimes alcohol, they write awful music. But you know what? It's music that appeals to certain of the senses. It's music that can become addictive, but it is down-pulling. And we have an increase in suicides. We have an increase in mental disorders because of how much more people are bombarded now than they were prior to television and radio 
and some of the things that we have today that makes it easier for Satan to influence people. He couldn't do it in mass like he does today. Think about that. You can't be a friend of this world and its devices and its fantasies and its entertainment media and be a friend of God. You cannot do it. That's what he says right here. Do you think that the Scripture says in vain the spirit that dwells in us lusts to envy? By nature we're full of lust and envy and jealousy and selfishness. And Satan plays on those things. We are in a selfish, materialistic, gratify-me-now world that is ungodly. But he gives more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And yet in this world, we want to be proud of ourselves, of our children, of our job, of our home, or whatever it is, our car. We even identify with cars. Car's not human. But if it has a racy name and just the fender turned just right, then that's all, that's my car. And we identify with these things. Is a car wrong? Transportation. Is it wrong to be proud of your car? Yes, it is. God was not even proud of His Son. He was well pleased with it. There is no room for any kind of pride whatsoever. Pride of family, pride of lineage, pride of brains, pride of looks. He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here is how to get away from satanic influence, demon influence. Flee from the devil. Get away from anything that he has contrived, that he has imagined, that he has fantasized, and reduced to film or airwaves for you. I said this was instructive. I said it wasn't in that sense corrective. It's not. Except God corrects us. I'm not yelling. Not screaming. I'm showing you what God says. And it requires change. You thought you repented and got baptized. Everything's okay? No, it's not. We have a lot of repenting, changing to do. And we have allowed Satan too much in our lives. We have to resist that. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. He doesn't like to be around the godly. And if Satan likes to be around us and influence us, then we're not godly enough. Bottom line. Because he does not like to be around God. Now, he goes before God's throne daily as an accuser of us. But he's uncomfortable with God. 
the demons are. Are you comfortable with the things of this world? If you are, then God is uncomfortable with you. And Satan's comfortable with you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Trying to be Christian while we play with the world. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Eternal and He shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law of God and judges the law of God. But if you judge the law of God, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there's only one lawgiver, therefore you are presumptuous and you are worshiping yourself as God if you speak evil of one another. That is idolatry. It is self and Satan worship if we criticize one another. That is absolutely scary, isn't it? Isn't that what that says? That's what it says. Let's be real. Let's not insulate ourselves from the truth. Now, are we going to do something about it? Or is Satan going to get a bigger and bigger hold among us and in us and through us? And God is going to throw us out like He does the rest of the world? <coughs> we have to turn to God with our whole heart. And not play games and be double-minded. I think God has caused virtually all the speakers to really emphasize this thing about how we treat each other and our attitudes toward each other and our self-righteousness and our vanity and our ego and our pride and our put-downs. Because I think He's trying to teach us a lesson here. And we've got to get rid of Satan's influence. It has to happen. I want God to use us, each and every one of you here. I want Him to, and me too. I don't want us to miss this opportunity. And I don't want to see us go down with the rest of the world. And we don't have to. If we'll just do what we're supposed to. And God may turn up the heat more and more, brethren, until He sees it. Now that's why we're fasting. That's why we're praying, is to draw close to God. It's not about a specific problem necessarily. You fast not about a problem. You fast to get close to God so that whatever problem there is, there can be a solution to. Read Isaiah 58. When we set ourselves and our selfishness aside and seek God, then we get contact with God. We draw near Him. He draws near us. It's cause and effect. And if we just ho-hum and go on about our business and say, well, somebody needs to handle that, we will slide further into Laodiceanism and be spewed out once and for all, not just as we already have been. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Well, let's see. Verse 5, into verse 5. Let's pick it up there. For God resists the proud 
and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And then he tells you how to go about this. Be sober. Thinking. Very aware. Vigilant. Like you have attackers in the night coming after you. You don't want to sleep. You want to be awake and on guard. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about, seeking whom he may devour. His attitude is to destroy any and every one he can. He goes about as a hungry, roaring lion, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Emmanuel, after that you have suffered a while, will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. We have to suffer. We have to go through pain. We have to go through trials, tests, and troubles. And the reason for those is that it might produce the fruit of righteousness. Because, brethren, let's face it, you and I do not and will not change unless we are pushed and forced to. We don't like to be pushed. We do not like to be forced. We do not like to be preached strongly to. We do not like our toes stepped on. We resent it. We wish it wouldn't happen. We try to blame it on somebody else. We don't like it. I don't like it. But if we don't hear the Word, if we don't listen when this Word is read to us and take it to heart, then God is going to do things that cause pain and suffering. And you know what? Those things are a lot worse than getting your toes stepped on by some sermonette or sermonette or sermon giver. They're a lot worse. But God will turn up the heat until we repent. He's doing it with the church, and He's going to do it to our nation and the world. He is going to turn up the heat. Until famine and pestilence and war kill over 90% of the people on this earth. It is not going to be pleasant. I need to listen and you need to listen now. Christ is going to come back and bind Satan a thousand years. There's going to be peace, plenty, prosperity, happiness, and joy throughout society with Satan bound. Human nature can be worked with and controlled by people and their instructors without Satan around. With Satan around, it is very difficult. 
And the measure of that is that when Satan is released for a short time at the end of the thousand years, he will immediately influence millions and millions of people to attack God and God's people. That is the kind of adversary we have. As Paul put it, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spirits and darkness. Now you might say, well, this part of society must be okay and this song or this movie is okay. And there are some of them, perhaps, that are worth watching, but they're rare. Don't pick at what I'm saying today, please. We have an example down here right now of pretty heavy satanic influence. And it is not pretty for any of you who have watched it for more than an hour. It is not pretty. It's serious. And we're fasting to get close to God, and I hope it's only the beginning of our truly seeking God instead of going through the motions and playing church. Now, we resent the idea that we're playing church. But if we are not making God the center of our life, and we are not seeking Him and serving Him and resisting the devil and everything that He has created to pull us away from God, then we are playing church. I'm sorry. Does that mean we can never watch a TV show or listen to a radio or play a computer game? I did not say that. I said be very, very, very careful what you are willing to listen to, imbibe in, and watch, and let your children watch, and let them eat. Now, you may convince yourself that granulated cane sugar is okay. The Bible even says honey is okay. A land flowing with milk and honey. But you know there's a proverb that says, eat not much honey. Americans eat way too many sweets. Way too many. Even if it's good sweets that God created like honey, He says, don't make that a main part of your diet. Don't eat much of that. See, God has a balance on everything. Now, your balance and Satan's balance is not God's balance. Just understand the overall picture. Satan rules this world. He rules its churches. He rules its entertainment. He rules everything about it until Christ comes and destroys it all. So everything is suspect that you see the world doing. And you need to be very, very careful how you spend your time. Do you spend more time with God or with the devices of this world? And those then become the devices of Satan because 99% of what happens on all those devices is ungodly. And even if it is not sin per se, it can be a waste of time that could be better used. As Paul said in Thessalonians, redeem the time it is short. 
use the time to be doing what we need to be doing to get close to God so that He can bless us and resist the devil so that he will flee from us. That's what we have to do. So, do these things happen perchance that we are fasting and dealing with? They happen because of the diet and the junk and the pollution of Satan's world that destroys the mind. They happen because of the stuff we put in our minds that comes from Satan's devices. They happen because our minds become weak and unusable because of the poisons, physical and spiritual and mental, that we put in there. (coughs) And Satan takes advantage. And why would God allow it here? We're trying to do what's right, aren't we? Well, yeah, we are. But we have not turned to God with our whole hearts, I'll guarantee you that. We have not done it, brethren. And God will put pressure on. If He's going to use us, He will put pressure on us until we do. So it's up to us, isn't it?